Hello and welcome to the Skewer Podcast. The Skewer is a live monthly news review satirizing the dumb news of the previous month. It's super good. You're going to like it. There's op-eds. There's a debate. It's funny. This particular edition was recorded on June 6th at Cafe Mustache in Chicago. Enjoy! I need it. Whatever. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll take what little I can get. Welcome, everybody, to The Skewer 30. As we've done it 30 fucking times. I tell you, it's too many times. I am your host for the evening, Tom Harrison. And if you are new to The Skewer, it is a delightful live news review where we... Uh, talk about the news of the previous month used to be just an out-and-out comedy show. Now it is a sort of, like, comedy and also live therapy show. You're going to probably like it a lot. Generally, people do. Uh, we're going to have some op-eds for you. We're going to have a debate for you. We're going to have some delightful news quizzes for you. We can test your goddamn brain against our... It's like the NPR, wait, wait, don't tell me news quiz, except we're there. Uh, they want you to win. Uh, for us... We hate it when you win, and no one has ever won. It is extremely difficult. Uh, and to start off the show, I'm going to read some words I wrote on a damn piece of paper. So, have you all heard about the 30-hour work week? How about, the, how about making all the weekends three days long? All of them. Have, have you heard about this? Have you heard people talking about it on TV? Have you seen it in political ads? Have you... Maybe... maybe you know, seen news stories about how the polling on it is changing. Uh, maybe you've read an op-ed about it in the newspaper on Sunday. Strict question. I tricked you. No, you haven't. <laughs> because in this, the hour of our death where a racist criminal kills the world, the Democrats, our heroes, seem absolutely unwilling to do their job, or worse, are fucking unaware of what it even is. That's right, my buds. I'm not here to talk about the right this month, because you know what they did. You lived it. I'm going to talk about the libs. I bring up the 30-hour work week, because this month, I finally found out the answer to that age-old question, what would you do if they opened the camps in your country? And I am unhappy to report that for me, the answer is continue to go to work every day because I gotta eat food. <laughs> and yes, I am disappointed that I'm not better equipped to deal with this situation, uh, but you'd hope that the Democrats would be. Donald Trump is the most approved of president by Republicans ever. Other than post 9-11 George W. Bush, which does not count, because post 9-11, any stern white man who didn't have public opinions on Sonic the Hedgehog porn would have massive approval. <laughs> the point is that Democrats are not converting anybody. 
Instead, they just need to demonstrate to us why it would be better with them in power. Instead, they just sort of promised to make it 2015 again, a year which also sucked. <laughs> and technically, yes, it's better than now. I'm not going to deny that. Uh, but it's like how, you know, technically tomatoes are fruit. You're right, but you're also a fucking nerd. <laughs> like, the wedgie I'm going to give you isn't actually atomic, but you're still not going to like it. The establishment democratic idea right now seems to be that Trump is an anomaly. You know, this is not normal. Eventually the rule of law will step in and things will get back to normal. No! Like, no, law is a made up idea. I wish I knew that when I was in college. In college I got drunk a one single time and I stole a copy of the NES Batman game. Uh, but that was it. I was... I was so scared of getting in trouble. The first time I didn't come back to my dorm for the night, my roommate asked me, like, what I got into last night? All salacious and eyebrow-raising? You know how it is. And I had to honestly inform him that I have lost track of time playing Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> but now... Now I know that I could be like in the middle of executing a hostage in my bank heist and I'd get away with it as long as I was like, by the way, Trump owns. If I had like, if I kept going, like if I said some shit like, also, what do illegals expect for breaking the law? I'd get a fucking job as a columnist for the New York Times and somehow still be the most liberal one. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I gotta fucking tell you. If the central plank of the 2018 Democratic midterm platform was a 30-hour work week, the House would flip blue in a second. Add on a $25 minimum wage, baby, it's guaranteed. Now, I hear y'all saying, I hear the, the establishment folks that I'm demonizing because they're not here and can't talk back. I hear them all saying it's not realistic. Well, one... Reality sucks, and life is a curse, so bad argument. <laughs> and two, a 40-hour work week with two whole weekend days off is pretty fucking unrealistic, too. It happened because people made it happen. You know in your heart that if weekends weren't already a thing, Elon Musk would be on Twitter right now being like, why would I be so cruel? as to deprive my workers of two whole days of income every week. And a million sad men would print the tweet out and paste it over the only picture of their children. <laughs> and guess what? Guess what? Do you want to fucking know what? This February in Germany, they went to a 28-hour work week. Man, the Germans can do it. Why cannot we? They don't even know what to do with their free time other than make a very efficient model train, trade wood for ore, and joylessly listen to techno. Thank you. <laughs> Things get realistic real fast if politicians support them. And I gotta say it blows my mind that instead of anything anyone would like, the Democratic message seems to be, vote Democratic. Only some of us will vote for a war criminal for <laughs> director of CIA. <laughs> it's really awful. We have a populace hornier for radical change than any in recent memory. And this month, 
Every Democratic strategist shat their pants with glee when the CEO of Starbucks suggested he might run for president in 2020. I can just imagine his first act when he signs a law that abolishes the minimum wage and he turns directly to the camera and says, I turned pro-LGBT pro four years ago, so I'm one of the good ones. Wink. <laughs> and then all the Pod Save America guys are going to start a petition to carve his face into Mount Rushmore. It's going to be a bad scene. And I keep coming back to labor because it's the root of so much of this. Every article that moans about how millennials aren't having kids, and they're not buying cars, they're killing whatever new industry. It's just because how, no matter how much of our lives we trade away, the money does not come. I work at the spreadsheet factory doing the same thing every week, and I am constantly tired. The only way out is to go on a job hunt, a process just above walking on coals in terms of user hostility. <laughs> And best case scenario, I get a functionally identical job in a different office. <laughs> Guys, there's a beach ball at my office. <laughs> Do people pound on it all day, you ask? Bitch, obviously yes. This month, I had to overhear an hour-long conversation about whether or not Pink Floyd was better than Cream. It's 2018. <laughs> People are stuck into lives they don't enjoy, and they'd have to just watch as their country is pulled down around them, because if you get off the treadmill for a second, you're done. This kind of shit is why Bernie is popular, even though to an astonishing number of people. He is apparently some sort of militant Russian vampire con man, <laughs> currently tying Lois Lane to the train tracks. <laughs> the killer thing is, like, they're not even entirely wrong. Like, Bernie sucks ass so much of the time. <laughs> he can barely talk. He definitely, like, 100% thinks straight white men are normal and everyone else is, like, DLC. He's super cool with endorsing anti-choice candidates. He stands tall for guns. And he always gets fucking blindsided. Like, he couldn't imagine anyone saying this when someone asks, how will you pay for it? Instead of answering, with the money, instantly, like he should. And as an admitted Bernie fan at least in the old days, I would love nothing more than to just say bye-bye to Bernie forever and leave him behind as a hilarious relic of the shitty past. Look at what we used to have to deal with. But uh, not many people are even approaching these issues, so what do you do? The best you can get from the Dems is support for a jobs guarantee. Motherfucker, I don't want more work. <laughs> I do not want you to guarantee I'll never be free. So you'd hope at this point the liberal media, you know the liberal media, that they would help us out. But obviously they do not. They suck. As much as I whine, there are Democratic politicians and candidates who are running on progressive, transformative platforms, but you'd never know it watching the news, which is like now 90% Rudy Giuliani accidentally like vomiting up a bunch of thin chili and trying to paddle it back into his mouth before anyone notices. <laughs> 
it's happening because the job of the powerful right now is obviously to change the world for the better. But they won't want to do that because that's scary and it might hurt their bottom line. Like, to illustrate, you may have seen some people on social media this month performatively moaning about, like, why are we obsessed about Roseanne when no one is talking about the 5,000 people dead in Puerto Rico? One, I hate shit like this that frames it like it's the people's fault. We're definitely fucking talking about it. And also, it's not our job. It's the media's job. And the reason they're not talking about it is because they can't without admitting that they're doing a shitty job. Like, if you talk about the 5,000 people dead in Puerto Rico, the only thing you can really say about it is the truth. And the truth is, Donald Trump likes it when people of color die. They can't say that because that would mean America is broken at its core. And that would mean that they have to be part of fixing it. And that's scary. Who can change things, folks? We, we can change things, but we have to fucking vote. Not a lot of y'all voted in the last uh, primary election. And I fucking demand that each and every one of you votes in the midterms this November. You can early vote for like a month, real easy, on the weekends even. And if you're not registered to vote, Erica Dreisbach, co-producer of the Skewers, a bunch of voter registration forms. You can fill them out today. If it's confusing, Erica will help you. We have a bunch of stamps and shit, so you can stamp it and don't have to pay for a stamp. If you leave here not ready to vote in November, it is a personal assault on me. And I didn't spend all this time shitting on lame Democrats to dissuade you from voting for them if you have to. If all we have to vote for are uninspiring, useless Democrats, <coughs> J.B. Pritzker, uh, <laughs> We have to vote for them. Like, we have to. Gormless morons who want to make it 2015 forever suck ass. They're shitty. But they're way better than the GOP alternative. Like Doug Jones from Alabama. He is a wet sack of sand who will never do anything good. But he's also not Roy Moore. But we also cannot keep accepting what the Democrats are serving us. We have to demand better, much fucking better. We, they are not our friends, and they are not our heroes for doing the bare minimum, and they should not be thanked for that. They should be torn the fuck apart and threatened with immediate primaries. There's a better world out there. There is, I know there is. There is a world with fair wages, no institutional racism, or at least less, free college, a decimated military budget, free health care, Guys, a 30-hour work week. It's real. We could do it. But no one's just going to give it to us. The only way we get there is to take it. What's going on? Whatever. I want to take it. Do you? Thank you. Oh, the skewer's fun. Oh, the skewer's nice. Thank you all for being here. That was me. We got four delightful op-ed writers who are going to read good, good things for you that... Why is there like a fucking beatbox going on? Um, we're going to read good things for you. Uh, but before we get there, uh, who wants to play a fun little game that is good? Anyone want to play a fun little game? There you go. That's the answer I'm looking for. Welcome to the stage, Kevin Johnson, the host of our fun game. Hello. Kevin, what's the game? Uh, it's basically two truths and a lie. I uh, also saw that Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me recently stole this from me, and I will find them. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, we did it first. Don't look at. Don't check no. that. Why, why would I lie? We did it first between the two of us. But in terms of history, who the fuck knows? Uh, no, I'm gonna go ahead and say. Never mind. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> fuck that. Also, I want to say that I was a roommate of Tom's, and he did make a poster during college that said, "Following rules is cool." <laughs> that is that is very true. Anyway, okay, so I'm going to need a volunteer. It's just two truths and a lie, except it's about the news, so it kind of matters more. It's very simple. Joe Anderson. (gasps) Kevin and I work together. I didn't show up to work today. Yes. (laughs) You didn't even, like, pretend to be sick or anything. He's just like, no, I'm just going to take the day Uh, off. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. He's gonna make, yeah, he's gonna make that thirty. I had a Charlie thing. horse. It was like a thing. <laughs> he's like, I woke up and it was no, just it wasn't happening. All right. Well, you're a Twitter boy, so hopefully you'll know a lot of these things, or maybe the, I don't fucking know. All right. First headline: Hippos poop so much that sometimes all the fish die. It's true or false, right there. Second story: Mom changes son's name after tattoo artist misspells it on her arm. Story three. The Rock charges studios $1 million if they want him to smile in publicity photos. Well, two is... I, I, I identify with two. That's mm. pragmatic. Um, I'm going to go... I don't, I don't want to be on the wrong side of the Rock, but I will go to... I'll, I'll go with three. <gasps> You're actually correct. Okay, cool. Uh, the Rock charges movie studios one million dollars if they want him to tweet about the movie, which is fucking insane. But he like, gets, also do that. Yeah, he gets paid to post. Yeah, man, that is the dream. Yeah, man. All right, second set of stories. In marine life, mussels—the you know, marine life, as I mentioned—off the coast of Seattle test positive for steroids. Sorry, two. On league's orders, a hockey player stops licking his opponents. <laughs> Story three. Romanians are trading airline tickets for the chance to eat a Whopper. A Burger King Whopper. I'm, I'm going to go with one, because uh, it's, I'm going to guess it's uh, something worse, like opioids. It is indeed opioids. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Could, could you be the first? No, no. Now I'm I know, I'm just, adding, I'm just adding all that, sh- I'm uh, just yeah. adding all that shit on there. Uh, so yeah, I've, I've promised before in the past that if anyone goes three for three, I will give you my drink ticket. So cool. I guess you can get another Schlitz or whatever the fuck you do. <laughs> all right, last set. Sorry, what? That, is just, that is not helping his nerves. <laughs> yeah, like you said, we, I guess we want everyone to lose. Yeah. So fuck it. All right, story one. White woman calls police on black swimmers for not talking to her because she was, quote, depressed. Story two. Ohio man calls police on an undercover officer following him home. Story three. Police called on black people leaving Airbnb because they did not wave to a white woman. I'm just, I want to point out that I have a college education. I'm mm. noticing a theme. <laughs> I sometimes do that with these. <laughs> Man. Oh, shit. Uh, 
Look in your heart of hearts, Yugi. The, I'm, I'm going to go the swimming one. I'm going to go with the swimming one. Is it the swimming one? It's not the swimming one. We were eight years in power. No. Uh, <laughs> we were so close. God, oh. Damn it. Oh. <sighs> so. It's yeah. definitely not the second. Don't tell me it's the second The one. Ohio man, which was the second one, called the police on an undercover officer. That did not happen. He was being followed by a, a literal pig. <laughs> <laughs> Not, not just the bacon. I, I wanted to make a pun, and that's the only reason I did it. I respect it. Thank that you. Is, that is admirable. Uh, also, yes, get your skewer swag. Oh, we got more people coming. Yeah, so, you know. Right. We're going to have one more of those, but we are going to get the show started again with Tom Harrison, who was looking around very not helpful. Well, there's, there's props, and I don't know where they went. Um... <laughs> Well, there was, there, whatever. You'll, fi- you'll find... Oh, no, he's got it. It's so good. Bitch, it's known. Uh, our, our first op-ed reader of the evening is a writer and comedian from Miami, Florida. You can see him every second Sunday as host of Real Life Tonight at the Crowd Theater. And if you want even more of this motherfucker, you can go see him every Saturday at I.O. hosting Dang Hot Bits and around town with his improv team, Mrs. Housefire. Please welcome to the stage, Cameron Davis. Hotel Singapore. You got a summit? Let's book it, Dagummit. Oh, hi, Mr. Trump. Yeah. Okay, you'd like a room? Sure. Oh my gosh, that's exciting. A summit, huh? Okay. The 12th? Yeah, we got you booked, okay? The whole top floor? Okay, for your delegation? Um, is what you call all your friends who help you do stuff? <laughs> yeah, okay. The presidential suite. All right, it'll be so full of Trump steaks, you'll love it. Only the best, okay? All right, we'll see you then. Okay, goodbye. Ambassador Hotel Singapore. Kim Jong-un. Hi. Oh, my goodness. A summit with, he just called. Oh, my gosh, okay. Uh, for the 12th? Okay, the presidential suite's booked, but we can put you on uh, another suite. Okay. All right. Okay, say hi to the kids. Okay. All right. Ambassador Hotel Singapore. Oh, hi, Mr. Trump. Did you for... Oh. It's canceled? (laughs) Well, you just called... Just a second ago. Okay. All right. All right, we'll cancel the presidential suite for you. Okay. All right. Say hi to Melania. Okay. Ambassador Hotel Singapore. Oh, hi, Mr. Kim Jong-un. Yes, we can upgrade you to the presidential suite. It just opened up. (laughs) Okay, we'll move you up there. Okay. All right. And Dennis Rodman is not allowed at this hotel. Okay. 
Oh, hi, Mr. Trump. Oh, it's back on. It's back on again. Okay. Well, the, the presidential suite actually just got booked, so... Oh, that's going to be a problem? Okay. All right, call me back. Hello? Bono, I swear to God. <laughs> How did you get this... No, you can't book the presidential suite if you're not a president. I'm just... Don't call back. <laughs> Hello? Oh, hi, Mr. Trump. Oh, it's back on again. Well, maybe... Because I just heard that... Okay, you're, you're back on. Hello? Oh, hi, Kim. It's back off again? Okay, we'll cancel the reservation. All right. Sorry, the phones are going to go. Hello? Hey, Mr. Trump. Okay. All right, it's back home. Got it. Hello? <laughs> Mr. Kim Jong un, you know, maybe you should just call. I'm just a middle. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> we'll see you then. Okay. Hello? All right, we'll have you back home for the 12th. <laughs> Hello? Okay, Kim Jong un, we'll have you back and then. Okay. Hello? Bono? <laughs> I swear to <laughs> Hello? I told you not to call me at work. Yeah, I sound stressed out because I am stressed out. Yeah, Trump can't y'all keep calling me and I'm playing middleman between the two assholes and they can't fucking figure it out. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you when I get home, okay? Alright, I gotta go. The phones are in. You two are ridiculous. <laughs> I am not doing this anymore with you two, okay? I swear to God, it's on again, off again, on again, off again, and I will not do it anymore. I don't care. No, it's time that you two figured it out and talked with each other. I'm leaving.
back home. That's great. Okay, we'll see you on the 12th. All right, bye. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Holy shit, one more time for Cameron Davis, everybody. Holy fuck. Wow. Um, so, podcast listeners, if you don't understand what Cameron was doing for like the last minute and a half of his piece, uh, it was something very normal. It was just really normal. That's all you need to know. Um, our next op-ed reader for this evening grew up in a small town in Indiana, and went to a series of schools where the mascots were Abraham Lincoln, an angry dachshund, and a train. <laughs> Her writing has appeared on the best live journal you'll ever read. Please welcome to the stage, Carrie Cook! I don't know how I follow two telephone receivers fucking, but <laughs> here we go. <laughs> I hate to start off by revealing the man behind the curtain, but I'm in a bit of a pickle. The way that the skewer works is that we email Tom and Erica three ideas a week and a half before the show, and they tell us which one they want us to do, and then we write about it and read the thing here for you. On the 26th of May, I emailed Tom, and at the top of my list of topics was Roseanne and the reboot, which he kindly gave me the thumbs up on. The following Tuesday, Roseanne tweeted something incredibly racist about former Obama White House staffer Valerie Jarrett. The internet exploded, and Roseanne was rightly fired, and her show, being called Roseanne and all, was canceled. Which leads to my confession. I haven't seen any episodes of the Roseanne reboot. <laughs> Not out of protest, I will give nearly anything a shot. I accidentally marathoned the new MTV reality show X on the Beach, which is comprised of rejects of other reality shows hooking up. So I was not taking a moral stance. You see, I didn't know which one of my topics my fine skewer friends would greenlight, so I procrastinated and put the reboot on my list anyway, thinking if they did want me to talk about Roseanne, I'd carve out some time to watch a handful of them this past weekend, and I could give you a good, honest comparison. Alas, virtually immediately after her firing, the reboot season wasn't available online to stream or purchase anywhere. So uh, the internet ate my homework? Uh, here's what I know. I love the original Roseanne. Growing up in rural Indiana, that show was one of the few genuine reflections of my life on television. Taking a quick look through the television landscape in 1989, the year Roseanne premiered, there is no other family show in which neither of the parents went to college. To put it simply, the Connors were poor white trash, just like me. But they were poor white trash with a brain and a liberal agenda, a distinct shift from any prior show that had featured the white working class. That agenda stemmed from Roseanne's distinctly feminist stand-up comedy, in which she referred to herself not as a housewife, but a domestic goddess. 
The first season of Roseanne had a season-long arc dealing with workers' rights, including sexual harassment in the workplace, and culminates in Roseanne leading a factory walkout. Both of my parents worked in factories for nearly 30 years apiece, and the stories Roseanne told in that first year were the same stories I heard from them almost every night. In subsequent seasons, as Roseanne rotated from crappy job to crappier job, and the Connors opened and shuttered business after business, Dan's drywalling company, the motorcycle shop, and finally a restaurant. I was reminded of my parents' dreams to buy our local bowling alley and to never have to answer to a boss again. Roseanne's crappy furniture and ugly, ever-present afghan on the couch was the same quality as the lumpy brown striped sofa and wood laminate coffee table in my living room and the weird rooster and egg sweatshirt worn by every member of the Connor clan at some point had its match in my family in a Blues Brothers t-shirt that hopped from dresser to dresser depending on who was doing the laundry that week. This doesn't even begin to scratch the surface of the groundbreaking and important nature of those first eight seasons. Let's be honest and not count that season where they won the lottery, ruined Dan's character, and then killed him. <laughs> which included plot lines about racism, LGBTQ rights, women's rights, domestic violence, child abuse, drug use, and so much more. But I know now that Roseanne has done a full 180 from where her career began and that there's no coming back from it. And the consequences are that future generations are less likely to experience this show that I think is so essential and had one of the best TV dads, TV marriages, and two-part episodes of all time. As a lover of television, that breaks my heart. But Roseanne is not the first entertainment legend to have their career canceled after having racist or criminal acts revealed to the public, ruining their legacy, and calling into question whether or not we can continue to enjoy their prior work. So I have a proposal for how we can plan for and mitigate the fallout from this kind of horrible behavior from TV stars and execs moving forward. One, let's stop naming shows after people. <laughs> if we have learned anything in this, this era of Me Too, it's that it's just a matter of time until quite nearly every famous person is revealed to be total trash. So let's stop banking on one to be the focus of any show. No more Roseanne, no more Louie, no more The Cosby Show. Let us create and structure all future programming so that anyone and everyone, cast and crew, is expendable and the, and the show is able to go on without them. Talented, respectable actors, writers, producers, and below-the-line folks do not deserve to lose a job, and we, the audience, do not deserve to miss out on or feel guilty about consuming quality art because of the abhorrent behavior of one person involved. At the very least, let's take a cue from another TV show of the late 80s, Valerie, better known now as the Hogan Family. Valerie Harper was the original star, but after she beefed with the network, they wrote her off and changed the name of the show after the second season. What a great idea. More of that, please. <laughs> Fun fact, the Hogan family was Jason Bateman's big break, so without the name change and the show's success, we wouldn't have him gaslighting Jessica Walter in the New York Times. Okay, I admit the plan is not perfect. Number two. Let's stop applauding TV networks for attempting to erase their mistakes. Like it or not, and I don't like it, Roseanne has been tweeting some pretty fucked up shit for the better part of the last 10 years. 
When ABC greenlit the show's reboot, they were essentially saying, we don't care about her tweets, we care about the show. To then cancel the show based on those tweets and pretend it's some great act of morality on the part of their network is disingenuous. Fire her, yes, absolutely, unequivocally. But to cancel the show and then erase all evidence of it is wrong. You've got to wear that L, ABC. I can buy Chinatown, directed by Roman Polanski. I can buy The Naked Gun, starring O.J. Simpson. Hell, I can buy Mein Kampf on Amazon today for 99 cents. But I could not stream a single episode of the Roseanne reboot less than a day after her racist tweeting and firing, and I think that is dishonest. I think that is dangerous, and I think that is wrong. We have a president today who wants to block people who criticize him on Twitter and to only give access to the media outlets who are nice to him. I think those of us who oppose the president and his policies have to be aware and careful of exactly who and what we're holding accountable, why we're doing it, and how. We cannot erase art. Whether or not you consume it or companies produce it is up for debate. But what is not is the existence of the art itself once it has been made especially in this case, where the art didn't do anything wrong, and in fact, based on episode summaries I've read, the show was exposing Trump supporters to the wild ideas that Muslim people and transgender people are in fact people too. It saddens me to lose a way to introduce that part of American society, a part of society I know all too well, to the concept of tolerance in a way that they may have welcomed. Alas, for as long as there is Twitter and racism, and men who fail to understand the concept of consent, there will be a debate about separating art from horrible artists. I'm going to keep the DVD box that I have of those first nine seasons, because I love them. And unlike the Cosbys, or the Woody Allens, or the Louis C.K.'s of the world, there's a distinct shift in beliefs, behavior, and rhetoric from Roseanne between the first iteration of her show and the reboot. And I know that the lessons in the original Roseanne series will be valuable for years to come. In fact, I think that the person who could most benefit from 1989 through 1999 Roseanne might be 2018 Roseanne. <laughs> I could go on about theories about her shift from mental illness to menopause to ambient, but the truth is everyone has an excuse for their problematic fave, and Roseanne is certainly mine. Please keep it going for Carrie Cook. Thank you. Woo! This next bio is real long, so strap in. Okay, I'll read the I'll read the top bits. Well, I got well, I got I got opposing views. Who wants me to read the whole thing? You're hearing the whole thing. Our next op-ed writer is a writer and performer with work appearing in mixed Sweeney's. They have performed at Shithole, The Living Room, The Outer Space. Man, all these places have shitty names. And the interdisciplinary showcase, Potluck, at the Frontier Theater, where you can see them perform on July 7th. You can also check out their side project of curating VHS oddities on YouTube at VH Shambles 
and follow their writing on intersectional comedy at the currently barren reclaiminglaughter.wordpress.com. Hold, wow, it landed perfect. Please welcome Mike Haverty to the stage. Mike. Awesome. Hi, everyone. Um, I've spent the last few weeks researching incels, men's right activists, pickup artists, the lad subculture in the UK, the movement men going their own way, the other branches of toxic masculinity that have contributed directly to four mass shootings, like the Parkland, ma uh, the Park Parkland Massacre and the terrorist action in Toronto. And throughout all of this research, do you know what I discovered? I do not like researching these groups. <laughs> no. Hard no thank you. Who <laughs> <Ooh> boy. <laughs> um, it, it's not that I, I feel like I had blinders up to like incels and, and other hate groups. Um, you know, I find myself spending a lot of time researching and exploring the current state of masculinity, what it is and what it isn't. Uh, it's just that to be writing about incels, uh, as is my pitch, uh, and also spending the better part of three years kind of exploring and questioning gender and sexuality and relationships, uh, through all the lessons imparted onto me from like emotionally toxic and fear-driven social interactions. Uh, when it comes to pouring over the details of the rise of masculine supremacy, not recognized as a hate movement by the Southern Poverty Law Center, I'm reminded of what the amazing human being Terry Crews said as part of a panel during International Women's Day. Masculinity is a cult. It's, it's awesome. Uh, and it makes sense to me as someone who uh, is slowly crawling out of their own nightmare uh, because... <laughs> Uh, I, I, I've always had this feeling that like, as a person, I am very susceptible to becoming a part of a cult. <laughs> I, I don't want to make light of cults, but if someone started talking to me, like, I would let them keep talking out of Midwestern politeness. <laughs> if, they said, if they said they had a way for me to feel validation and like, love from others, that's totally in. Plus, I like structure. <laughs> I would totally overlook being stripped of my personal autonomy once I learned to only focus on pleasing a shadowy figure. So given the base of knowledge and darkness that I've opened myself up, uh, opened myself up to, uh, reopening old wounds of masculinity, I'd like to talk about how absolutely common, pervasive, and uh, invisibly toxic masculinity is based on this research of uh, incels and my own experience. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is gonna be a white person raised in masculinity talking about themselves and about angry white men for upwards of nine minutes. Groundbreaking. <laughs> Not since the halcyon days of AMC's Talking Bad has an audience been driven to shrug so apathetically. Uh, one thing that struck me in researching deep into the underbelly of hate from afar on the internet, like I wasn't like embedded in anything, I just looked up a lot of articles. Uh, what I learned was how easily I could have identified as uh, an incel in the late 2000s. 
uh, or like been like, like tell me more. Uh, I, as a senior in high school, uh, I just felt like horribly awkward. I tried my best to be the loud, funny person. I'm sorry. Uh, and, and desired to have sex before leaving high school. Uh, but this was due to me being worried after reading a study in AP Psychology that tied having your first sexual experience after 18 to having more problems in your sex life later on. Looking back, <laughs> what the fuck was that study even? I was leaving my own indie twee version of American Pie. Uh, I tried dating websites while a senior in high school. While in community college, I beyond uh, and beyond, I frequented casual encounter sections on Craigslist. Rest in peace. Without ever encountering anyone casually. Uh, looking back, it's probably because I was pretty gay and didn't realize it, or at least more so than I thought. Or I was abused, or at least needed to form an emotional connection before desiring sex, but that's something that was never compatible with that identity that I felt was, uh, I was. That masculinity kind of opposed on me, my neighborhood, by my neighborhood friends, neighborhood boys, school friends, and the kind of the weight I carried into uh, social interaction. So instead I did uh, what was taught to me and is kind of this uh, current trend in uh, talking about just this um, like horrible uh, fox on, uh, on masculinity or on men, uh, uh, which is called the depths of despair, which is like pretty much when you just kind of give up and it's just like, like, do you know how it's just like, oh yeah, they're just like drinking a lot, smoking a lot of cigarettes, but like, they're still the same person. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, I just did a bunch of drugs and drank a whole lot, and like, sex happened. Or like, about and around me, and I really didn't plan on like, getting control back. So imagine like, a good support group to join before that juncture. Now imagine what actually is in its absence. Uh, the involuntary celibates who encourage its users to take the black pill. Uh, black pill being different from the red pill in which, uh, uh, the red pill being in which how a male sees how women control the world. Uh, for incels, the black pill is the avowal to now and forever espouse violence, hatred, and misogyny. Yeah. Uh, this past May was the first time in the publication's 32 year back catalog. Oh. This past May, um, Men's Health Magazine, uh, first time in its 32-year-long back catalog of damn fine abs, um, <laughs> dedicated uh, the month of May to mental health problems facing men. But if you didn't know that Men's Health Magazine offered this coverage for the month of May, it's because it was pretty hard to find. Uh, there was really no mention of it on the actual physical copy of the magazine. Uh, instead, uh, those were reserved for headlines like 100% energy all day. <laughs> Your best body ever. And two women at once. How it works. <laughs> two women at once. How it works. Like, is there a guy there? <laughs> like, how define it? Two women at once, how it works, sounds like a guide for writing a scene that passes the Bechdel-Wallace test. 
Uh, <laughs> how it works, dudes, uh, from what I read from one of the actual mental health articles uh, that Men's Health published, consisting of interviews of sex workers and uh, the loneliness epidemic in men they witness firsthand, is that one of the women is a patient sex worker you go to so you can share feelings and ideas, you fear the rejection of intimacy in your personal relationships, you know, things that are like too personal. And the second woman is your significant other who is on hold because the life you carved out of masculinity is a lie. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> I had to remember that I had to read that. It was very nice. Uh, two women at once, how it works, and the fact that men are being radicalized into hate groups instead of getting therapy or reaching out to each other. Men achieving 100% energy all day while also like, oh god, I forgot, this is, okay. Men achieving 100% energy all day while also committing suicide at a rate 3.5 times more than women. Within like, since like 2010. Uh, even in its best articles about mental health, Men's Health Magazine dances around guns a whole lot. And they don't reference the fact that there is a hate movement comprised entirely of mentally unwell men. The existence of these groups is ultimately the cause for this article. And yet to invoke their presence feels like too much in an article focused on regular guys who like abs and want to know what to do with two women at the same time. <laughs> The gap between intentions on the internet and our physical copy is the same gap of wordlessness and aimless pain that silences boys, radicalizes men, and makes them start taking a whole bunch of colorful pills. And yes, as men, it's something we do entirely to ourselves. Pretty much our current form of masculinity is a dude riding a rickety elevator while holding a knife out. Like, yes, he's not threatening anyone. But unless you, like, uh, but unless, but anyone else who needs to share the ride is accidentally held hostage out of their captor's own unwitting ineptness. Uh, when brought to its extreme, our present definition of task masculinity is actually from observation of prison behavior found outside of prison. Um, masculinity in this sense as in an actual psychological study, which you know how much I love to read. Masculinity <laughs> um, is a literal prison. Uh, by no means, this is not to call for y'all to offer blanket forgiveness to any radical side of masculine supremacy, but it's a problem that needs to be untangled uh, by men or people raised in that. Uh, I felt super weird talking about my own stuff here, and to be honest, yeah, really felt like I could have shared some more and would have been totally okay with y'all. But if all the research and warnings are pointing to masculinity being a silent killer, uh, start talking. Thank you. Thank you one more time to Mike Haverty. final op-ed reader of the evening is the head writer at Cards Against Humanity, former member of Second City's National Touring Company, and a regular contributor to the Paper Machete. Paper Machete? What's that? We don't know what that is here. Uh, please welcome to the stage, Julia Weiss. 
Oh, hello. Um, man, that last piece did make me feel like legit bad for being so attracted to beards and stoicism. <laughs> but no, for real, men are trash. Put your arms down. <laughs> but I'm not going to bash men in this. I'm going to bash Christians. <laughs> Everyone loved Lauren. Lauren was athletic, Christian, and most importantly, white. She had the flaxen hair and shimmering blue eyes of a Hitler youth. She had a GPA that said, I can't wait to work in real estate. She led prayers around the flagpole every morning for other VHS Christians, many of whom were also named Lauren. They were blessed. They were saved. God loves Laurens. I'll never forget watching a group of Laurens cry in a circle because of all the babies that would never get a chance to live out God's amazing plan for them because of the grave sin of abortion. When a fellow classmate became pregnant and kept her baby despite being a teenager with no money, these brave Laurens made sure to let her know that she was a slut and her baby was ugly. <laughs> Laurens and Caleb's, the male counterpart in their strict binary, <laughs> have the power to perform values without actually holding them. In 2016, Lawrence and Caleb's flocked to the polls to put Jesus back in the White House in the form of a man who wants to have sex with his own daughter and has clearly just killed his wife. <laughs> May was a great month for Lawrence and Caleb's. White evangelicals got to show off their unique ability to actually believe nothing. Coming off the exciting news that Iowa had passed the nation's most restrictive abortion law ensuring the deaths of countless sluts and the misery of a forever of unwanted children, it broke that their king, Christ the Patriot, worked through an immigration policy that rips children from the arms of their mothers and fathers and puts them into jails. Their social media timelines shifted from pro-life triumph to pictures from 5Ks and gender reveal parties and girls' nights outs, during which their husbands were definitely having sex with horny milfs in their area, <laughs> to memes describing desperate parents as criminals and their children as a reasonable fine for their actions. Under our pro-life president's amazing policy to punish disobedient refugees and deter other huddled masses yearning to be free, children are held in prisons re-traumatized after escaping trauma. Praise him. The ACLU is currently representing immigrant children who've been assaulted, threatened with rape, beaten, forced into solitary confinement, and otherwise mistreated by ICE and Border Patrol agents. It's getting harder for the Office of Refugee Resettlement to place them with safe sponsors because they're being forced to work with ICE, who've already successfully deported undocumented family members attempting to claim those kids. The ORR's director, Scott Lloyd, a Trump appointee with the name of a, the frat brother who dispenses the roofies, has made it a rule that any truly difficult kids have to personally be cleared by him before they can be released to the custody of someone who doesn't want brown children to die. This policy has resulted in kids staying in indefinite detention away from loving homes. All this after noted Caleb, John Kelly, assured us that all these kids would be put into foster care or whatever. <laughs> he did go on to say um, that Mexican immigrants have a hard time assimilating because they're uneducated, 
Um, they don't really speak English very well. And it's like, bitch, you're describing your base. <laughs> um, <laughs> this policy got enough bad press that Trump claimed his own policy was Obama's while empowering agents to tear more families apart. Betsy DeVos, who all Laurens aspired to be, <laughs> even called for schools to report undocumented children to ICE to be deported, which is against the law. That's how brave a Christian she is. That she will break the law to punish the children of people who broke the law. And I know uh, what you're thinking. We can get back at her breaking the law by taking her kids away. But joke's on you, they're grown and she is incapable of love. <laughs> anyway, what I came here to say is white evangelical Christians are assholes. And that's not just me being bitter that Lauren Holst gleefully broke the news to me that Adam Steiner didn't like me anymore but liked Lauren Hyde instead and that it was for the best because he could never marry me anyway because I'm Jew. Um, no, studies have actually proven that white evangelical Christians are overwhelmingly assholes. No offense if you are one, but also offense, bitch. Um, <laughs> A Pew Research Center study shows that of white evangelicals, the very people who call this a Christian country and have Jesus standing in the Oval Office as their cover photo on Facebook, <laughs> of them only 25% believe that the United States has a responsibility to shelter refugees, despite the Bible's nagging verses about loving your neighbor, welcoming strangers, and opening your door to travelers. Lawrence and Caleb's uh, can't be deterred by stupid little Bible quotes like, when a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. And so I will come to put you on trial. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, and perjurers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless, and deprive the foreigners among you of justice. Um, yeah, that was the Lord Almighty, FYI, who said that. <laughs> but white evangelicals aren't just happy to torture, traumatize, and kill immigrant kids. This past month, they've also turned a blind eye to Scott Pruitt's continued assault on God's green earth, the White House's unending puke splatter of lies, and the hottest trend among teens today, getting shot at school. <laughs> they have celebrated Trump's boastful will-they-won't-they -they love affair with a dictator who literally says he is God, starves his own people, and reserves the death penalty for crimes like looking at a computer questioning his power, or being his half-brother. Lawrence and Caleb's aren't just annoying hypocrites. They're doe-eyed Nazi fetishists seeking a big, bad dictator zaddy to mimic their harsh... <laughs> to mimic their harsh mask god and spank them hard with rules and kill all the bad people who don't follow zaddy's orders. They come hard every time they type out keep politics out of my entertainment and harder when they find out that a gender non-conforming person had a humiliating experience attempting to use the bathroom. But nothing makes a Lauren Squirt or a Caleb Nut quite like pretending they care about the sacred gift of life. Thanks, y'all. <laughs> Oh, 
Y'all have asked you every time to clap again for everyone. Clap again for Julia Weiss! As someone who was raised Catholic and having heard that piece, I just have one thing to say, and it's that I wish that the Bible would talk about sorcerers more. <laughs> like, it's canon that sorcery is real. Run with that. Anyway, <laughs> before we move on, I have a few things to get out of the way. One, uh, if you entered into the... You did. It, when you entered, you may have noticed that there was a donation bucket at the door. Uh, that money goes to the writers who you see today. So if you're like, wow, I sure love it when people make art for me and I'm entertained, I sure wish that they were uh, compensated. Well, you can go ahead and do that. Uh, if you don't have cash or can't afford it, that's fine, too. Also, if you think, like, man, the skewer is great. I wish that I could have it, but on paper. Guess what? We got books. We got damn, dang old books. <laughs> the best of 2017. A whole lot of good writing, including from the people who are here tonight, including Ray Goldberg and Carrie Cook. Anyone else? I think, oh, Joe Anderson. Yeah, Joe, you're in there. Uh, also me and Erica, but who, who cares? We're, we're here every night. <laughs> uh, so... Before we get to the debate, we have to have a second round of our delightful news quiz. Someone else has to get on stage, try to go three for three, and win a delightful skewer sticker. Kevin Johnson, come up on stage and do the news quiz! Tom phrased that exactly correctly. We have to have another news quiz. <laughs> um, I need another volunteer. I, I don't know how to phrase it otherwise. Who else... There's no brave soul. Ooh. Okay. Do it. Do it. This is local tall man, Carl Glick. Sup. Are we ready? Okay, we're ready. That is very high. And, you can, and it's like perfect, though. It's what the fuck? I could walk underneath that microphone. Anyway. <laughs> All right. We're going to move on. First story. Mm -hmm. Republican member of Congress tells scientists rising sea level is caused by too many fishing ships in the ocean. Story two. Woman named Crystal Methven arrested for drug possession. Uh, story three. Dr. Dre just lost a trademark battle against Dr. Dre, a gynecologist. I feel like I heard the third one was true. Um, you probably felt like you heard all of them were true. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with number two. Crystal Methvin? Yeah. Uh, she lives in Florida, and she is real. Ah. She was selling Crystal Methvin. <laughs> all right, cool. <laughs> the the uh, Republican Congress member uh, believes that the uh, oceans are rising because there's too much dirt on the ocean floor. <laughs> there we go. All right, the second set of stories. Okay. Yeah. Chinese officials are invading people's privacy by setting up secret Tinder profiles. Hmm. You know, having been on Tinder, I believe it. Yeah. Okay. Story two. Uh, marijuana prices are plummeting. Panic is setting in, in in Oregon because farmers have grown three times what their customers can smoke in a year. <laughs> okay. Story three. Woody Allen said he should be the poster boy of the Me Too movement. 
God. All of those sound like they could have actually happened. Yeah. I know. Um, it's almost like that. It's on purpose. <laughs> I'm going to go with number two because I've heard this before and I'm like, it's going to be either like 2.7 times or like 7.3 times as much as they could actually smoke. No, Carl. I know I get very into the weeds. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, did, I would not fuck with you like that. No, the, the Chinese officials are actually like going into people's homes and like sleeping and living there as, as a way to monitor them. Okay. Not just being on tender, but okay. maybe also on tender. Yes. What's... That, that, you see, that's the thing. That sounded like the most believable of the three of them, mm-hmm. sadly. Yeah. As much as I hate that that's the truth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Over yeah. all the decades, he's like, oh, yeah, I haven't touched any of them, but, you know, people in the sure, family. Woody Allen. Sure. Anyway, third set of stories. Um, Rudy Giuliani, Rudy Giuliani uh, was booed at the Yankee Stadium on his birthday. Okay. Sorry, too. Congressional candidate runs Fuck the NRA ad on local TV. It's very faulty. Uh, story three, Elon, Mu- Elon Musk took to Twitter <laughs> to announce he is starting a toy company targeting Montessori schools. <laughs> it sounds like I'm gonna go. Yeah. I'm going to go with number two because, like, I think I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure the FCC would not be a fan of that. Uh, who the fuck cares what they're a fan of? It's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is my, hey, it's, my worst one, yeah. It's fine. It's fine. We got through it together, Carl. You're getting a sticker. You know what? I'm, I'm gonna, gonna... You can have a drink token. Sure. Okay, so Rudy wow. Giuliani was booed at his Yankees... Uh, at the Yankee Stadium. I just sometimes like to say things on a microphone, and that is true. Uh, Elon Musk is actually just gonna make a candy company at some point. Okay. Oh. I don't know why. He can do anything he wants. That is, that is true. He has yeah. no... Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, Carl, for getting on the stage, giving it an honest effort. That is, that is 10 months straight that the quiz has not been vanquished. <laughs> well, not this time. Anyway... <laughs> Yeah, Carl. I, I uh, relinquish the mic to Tom, our host for the evening. Indeed. Thank you, Kevin, for the delightful fake news quiz. Thank you. Thank you for continuing to make it, like, inhumanly difficult. <laughs> I was in a way where don't tell me, and they're like, um, did Donald Trump be the president? Did Mike Pence be the vice president? Or did an alien star in the Avengers? And it's like, I don't think it was an alien. It's like, you're right. Uh, <laughs> now it is time for the skewer debate, where people come up on the dang old stage. They debate... Uh, contentious topic and you the audience decides who is the victor who has better argued their point and now to get the debaters up to the stage our first debater is a dude you'll remember from a few seconds ago it's kevin yeah our other debater is an artist poet writer 
and computer programmer from Chicago. She is the co-producer of this very show, The Skewer, and she is just very funny and great. Please welcome Erica Dreisbach! So what is the topic? What are they debating? Well, I'll tell you. This May, it became clearer than ever that you don't have to be smart to be rich. We found out that Michael Cohen, Trump's lawyer and oily cartoon wolf, received hundreds of thousands of dollars in payment to his company, Essential Consultants, LLC, where he provided the amazing service of telling his clients that he is friends with Donald Trump. Elon Musk, instead of using his massive wealth to like ride jet skis off a waterfall or anything cool, had a week-long meltdown on Twitter where he responded to news stories alleging union-busting and dangerous work conditions as, at Tesla by promising to create a blacklist of evil fake news media writers, an extremely dumb and fascist move. And a dumbass white girl posted a photo of herself at a college with a huge fucking gun and immediately got a million job offers as a reward for making the libs mad. All of which is to say, any fucking fool can get rich these days. So that means that we can too. The question becomes, how do we, the idiot jamokes at the skewer tonight, become rich as hell? Kevin, what will you be arguing for the best way to get rich? Um, I'm going to argue that we should stop being polite and start getting fucking real. <laughs> and that involves, that involves co-opting some things we don't want to co-opt. Yeah. I guess that, yeah, that's a, that, that, that's a way of putting it. <laughs> Erica, what will you be arguing? Uh, we should pick a public service. We should pick water and make a shinier, worse version that kills a ton of people but make it incredibly expensive. <laughs> Both seem like a great way to make a lot of money. How is the debate going to work? Both of our debaters are going to give five minutes of opening statements. I'm going to come back on stage, read some questions to them. They're going to have to answer them. They have not been provided with the questions. They will be put on the dang spot. And then after that, they will both, be give, uh, both give closing statements, at which point you will applaud for the victor. We all good? Who wants to go first? Eric is going first. Let's do it. Friends, it's been a while since I've won a skewer debate. So this month I'm hungry for it. But tonight I am debating Kevin. And I really want Kevin to like me. For years, I've hoped to one day achieve that highest light and that Kevin might ask me a personal question. Such as, hey, Erica, how are you? <laughs> or, more realistically, tell me about that rat tail haircut. Was that actually a deliberate choice? Of course, I have a long history of trying to get boys to like me by attempting to publicly outsmart them. The most notable example was in 1998 at the Vermont High School Drama Festival when some cute shaggy-headed boys from Montpelier came over to engage my friends and me with their pickup line, which was, the last name Hamilton makes any first name sound dignified. 
I said, what about Gus Hamilton? No, that's great. Hey, I'm, I'm Gus Hamilton. I'm a Fortune 500 CEO. Go for Gus Hamilton. What's up? I said, what about Bamilton Hamilton? <laughs> they said, Bamilton's not a name. I said, but I don't think Bamilton Hamilton sounds very dignified, does it? And the boys walked away. <laughs> You'll notice I haven't addressed the debate prompt. That's okay. That's this part now. How do we get rich in this, the dumbest era of human history? I say, easy. We use the dumbest sales trick in the book. We introduce scarcity to drive up demand. We assume control of a product, and then we sabotage the market for that product. And what do we have in Chicago that they don't have in Johannesburg, Silicon Valley, or Los Angeles? We have unburdened access to one of the largest freshwater lakes in the world, Mother Michigan. <laughs> and what other resource do we have in Chicago and really Illinois at large, where four of our last seven governors have gone to federal prison, and that's not a joke? We have corrupt politicians. So we could just wait for the water to run out in Los Angeles or Las Vegas. But if we're feeling a little entrepreneurial, if we're thinking like one percenters, then we could send our corrupt flatland politicians to cut their corrupt desert politicians in on this deal. Then they would simply be tasked with fucking up their water supply in the name of fiscal responsibility the same way that Flint fucked up their water supply in the name of fiscal responsibility. And just when they'll have to turn off the city taps, that's when we send out our fleet of self-driving solar-powered trucks packed to the brim with bottled Lake Michigan. Money, 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 money. <laughs> you might ask Erica, who would want to buy or drink our dirty diaper lake water? <laughs> to that I say, Oh, they won't want to buy or drink it, uh, duh, obviously. They're just gonna. Sure, we could try to become wealthy op-ed writers speaking truth to power to the liberals, triggering them. We could become YouTubers of the intellectual dark web strategies banked by billion-dollar companies. Strategies that are well-documented successes for idiots of repute like Sargon of Assad, Jordan Peterson, Blair White, Barry Weiss. Even large adult blondes like the vile Jake Paul and his wretched brother, Logan Paul. If you've never heard of any of these people, my gift to you is that never look them up. Sure, my opponent's position is undeniably the safe and surefire choice, but it's 2015, I mean uh, 2018, yeah. And I'm feeling reckless, so let's do it. Let's poison the water tables of San Bernardino County. Let's blow up the Hoover Dam and pee in the Colorado River. Let's stick it to all our friends who moved to New York and LA. Won't they be sorry? Let's pull off one of the great heists of late stage capitalism and let's reverse the curse of Bamilton Hamilton. Let's get Kevin to like me. When the time comes to vote on this debate, you'll know what to do.
I, I wasn't expecting to be personally attacked. Thank you. Thank you for that, Erica. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. Also, with that rat tail, like, are you a Padawan? Like, what is happening? I, I, oh. Okay. Okay. Well. Okay. <sighs> America was founded upon noble principles. Democracy, freedom, not doing the work yourself. <laughs> just, just those lazy fucks. Oh, and guns. We fucking love guns. But what really defines us is our passion for shortcuts. Since our inception, it's been all about them get-rich-quick schemes, those ham-fisted cash grabs, just plain dicking people over. When Columbus wanted those spicy boys, he sailed... <laughs> He sailed into that 1492 ocean of blue just for the ludicrous potential of a shortcut to Flavortown, USA. And there were scary dragons on those maps, y'all. Y'all seen them maps? When a national tragedy occurs these days, you're goddamn right Congress is sending those minimal effort thoughts and prayers emojis. The hands aren't even praying. The news quiz don't stop, y'all stay woke. But guess what? Columbus, Spain, Congress, all those people got rich as fuck. And rich people are powerful. I don't know what the dollar amount threshold is, but you get to go into a money cocoon. Have you heard about this, the money cocoon? And you emerge without cares of the world. You're a morally inept butterfly, wealthy enough to never see the suffering of others. It is beautiful, truly. Which brings me to liberals. You're the teachers and artists and scientists of the world. Just broke motherfuckers in general. <laughs> you care about facts and you want a Pokemon go to the polls and all this other fuzzy bullshit. It's, it's un-American. And you know it's true. Hell, you probably threatened to run away to Canada two years ago. Yeah, I didn't forget. But you stayed. You're the band still performing on the Titanic, you know, as it's sinking. Perhaps the John D. Death tombs were a noble display, but did you know, after news of the shipwreck broke, those musicians' families were charged for all of those rented uniforms sitting on the bottom of the ocean. The guy that sent that invoice was an asshole, but Papa's got pills to pay <laughs> and zero fucks to give. So I ask, why are liberals still playing by the rules, going down with the ship when they should be clawing away at the rowboats from those wealthy fucks. The right is enlisting Russian bots live on TV, dispensing dank memes, taking over local news stations, closing public schools, and lying their asses off about it all. They've done this underhanded shit for decades. They've even made a game of throwing random words together to piss off the left. They called it Mad Libs. Yeah, it's a pun, I know. Maybe you've heard of it. Trump uses it for all of his tweets. You understand it's high time we ran out of fucks and stopped throwing logic at everything in this era of post-truth. We've got to start fighting fire with fire. We've got to make obvious crimes benefit us too. We've got to get in and take something they really love. We've got to get on Fox News. <gasps> now I know what you're thinking. I'm a millennial. I don't even own a TV. Your mouth full of avocado toast, no doubt. Worry not. It's so damn easy to get famous these days. Way easier than running a public service, let me tell you. Uh, you could be attractive and make a sex tape, work for the Kardashians. 
You could print out a shit ton of your manifestos at the office, work for the guy at Google, or you could become a serial killer. It worked for Ted Cruz. <laughs> From there, it's just selling out books and speaking tours, selectively quoting the Bible, silencing dissenting snowflakes, you know, living out the Republican wet dream. And the best part is, they won't even want it anymore. Imagine first hearing your mom say bling. Just, ugh. It's like that. Republicans and Democrats have changed their colors in our lifetimes. Why not this? When they go low, we eventually get tired and do the same. Fuck them. You gotta both, you gotta both be here. You can't leave. It felt more dramatic to leave. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> Okay, so, um, so I have questions for both of these uh, fine fellows, uh, whatever, gender-neutral people. Here's the deal, though. Uh, the, what, what I thought that Kevin was going to argue for was specifically you, like, release a manifesto of dumbass opinions, and then when people are like, shut up, idiot, you're like, they're attacking my free speech, and you get rich by, like, everyone being like, oh, you're a free speech hero. So my questions are all re referencing that. So, yeah, yeah. Kevin, guess what? You're going to get asked him anyway. <laughs> but the first one's for Eric. Eric, when you were making this, this grift, Part of the key is making people excited about it. Yeah. But they can't get excited if they remember that the thing that you're repackaging used to be a public good they got for free their entire lives. The key is to get them to forget that. What is your strategy to make sure they never remember? Super fancy bottles with built-in straws. Really pretty, made with sequins, made with crystals on them. We put glitter in the water. Edible <laughs> glitter. And so it looks like a fun new thing, but actually it's just the old thing. It's a good one. It's a good one. Kevin, you mentioned the Google guy, Fired for Truth, that guy who, who wrote a manifesto about how all ladies can't work. Mm -hmm. He got fired. He became a right-wing celebrity for a while. He was on all the news shows, but... He blazed out. He burned out too quick. No one remembers about him now. He's not on any shows now. My question for you is once you get the foot in the door with your like insane bullshit, how do you keep the grift alive? We, we have to be bigger than ourselves. It's like Batman. You gotta have just layers and layers upon crazy shit happening all the time, and you can't have that all coming from one mind. You gotta, you just gotta be like just a fucking maelstrom, just fucking insane shit. We gotta, we gotta keep the idea alive, not just ourselves. Okay. Okay. I, I like it. I like it. Erica, as much as people complain about public goods, you know, the water, the, the gas, the electricity, the, they tend to work. Obviously, your version can't do that. What interesting ways is your privatized water going to regularly fuck up, and how will you spin it to make people put up with it? Uh, sometimes you go to get water at the water store, and it's just the bottles. Or it's just like <laughs> the dry glitter at the bottom with... Um, just add water and a hand-drawn sign taped to the shelf 
and people are like, what the fuck? And then there, but then there's no one to complain to. You call the 1-800 number, and the, it's just his voice mailbox full. And you try to complain to a, a bureaucrat, but then they, the, so there's a, another hand-drawn sign that says, out to lunch, but it's 3.30. Uh, so, you know, uh, you know, I'm married to an Eastern European son of a communist regime, so there are a lot of tactics that I've been able to uh, assimilate from that experience that I can now pass on to uh, my water project. That's exciting. Yeah, I like it. You marry the Silicon Valley Elon Musk hyper capitalist dream with communist dysfunction is beautiful. <laughs> Kevin, I got a question for you. A lot of the people who do these dumbass manifestos, they pay a high social cost. Mm. Like the only people who will hang out with like the fired for truth guy or that girl with the huge gun are insufferable idiots. How do you keep your manifesto is going to get you rich from alienating everyone you know. Um, Tom, money is the, the happiness that we are all striving towards in this capitalist society. I don't need people once I'm rich. As Erica has denoted, I don't need people now. Rebuttal. Rebuttal, I would still hang out with you, Kevin. Aww. That's nice. Erica, I got one more question for you. People are eventually going to feel bad when your private product that they think is cool and rad, when they realize that the poor people can't access it. They're going to feel like, oh no, this is bad. When these people eventually start moaning, you're going to need a way to respond that makes them look like the bad guy for bringing it up. How do you do it? Mm -hmm. That's where we're going to start the H2O for Hobos program. In which, in which, via a match donation from corporate sponsorship and then defunding schools, is going to provide water for the needy. Um, just long enough for the photo opportunity. Uh, and just long enough so that they don't complain too much. If they do complain too much, we just pop them on one of the solar-powered trucks and just send them on their way. To where? To a, a, a wetter place. <laughs> a wetter place. <laughs> Thank you, Eric. <laughs> Kevin, one more question for you. If everyone's doing this grift where they say a, a, an insane asshole thing that everyone gets mad at and you, you get a lot of money, the thing is there's only so much space in the spotlight. What are some pointers to make sure that your specific dumbass manifesto rockets you to wealth where others would fail? Um, that's, that's a good point, Tom. I had not considered it, considering you had not given me the questions before. Um, this is real improv, folks. This is a yeah. Chicago tradition. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I just I think I think we just look at laws and there's there's an obvious hierarchy. Like we end on murder, obviously. But where do we start? You know, just petty crimes and then we just go up and up and up. I think that'll last us until we at least get to the Thunderdome. 
Wait, are you saying we have to murder people? I don't follow. Are you, are we, do we have to kill people? Not immediately, Tom. <laughs> this, is, this is late stage. Come on, Tom. Okay, you just ask. Yes, yes. Beautiful. <laughs> All right, I have one question for both of you. The first person to have a, a question, or rather an answer, ready. Just feel free to approach the microphone. And then after that, we'll go to closing statements. The question for you both is that right now, it's a sure thing to get rich by being extremely dumb and evil, but no bubble lasts forever. Eventually, the bottom is going to drop out on both of your grifts. What new grift? (laughs) What new grift will you pivot to once this one burns out? I mean, cult leader seems to play real well across time. So I think that one never goes out of style. You can be a dumb cult leader, but you can also be a smart cult leader. And in either case, people are sending you money. Um, Regarding my earlier mentioned uh, Thunderdomes, uh, there's not going to be a lot of people left, so you can do whatever the fuck you want. Really, it's just about having a large rock. That's just a larger rock than your neighbor and the willingness to use it. That's, that's really the new grift. Getting those bottle caps. Kevin. You, you, want, you want even more grifty? You, you, no, I'm just saying, you've brought it up two times already. Can't we just get beyond Thunderdome? Yeah, I, I set you up so well. You did, thank you. A delightful question and answer all around. Kevin, you went second in the opening statements. Please go first in the closing statements. All right. I'm going to keep this short and sweet. I just want you all to remember that being principled gets us absolutely nowhere in today's society. There's really no such thing as bad publicity. Trump could probably shoot somebody in the middle of Fifth Avenue without losing a a voter. Unless he shot a voter, obviously. <laughs> like, come on. It's just about getting attention and profiting off of stupid shit. Unless you do something on that Roseanne level, then I can't save you. But for me, holding up morals just means I can't listen to that new Yeezy album, which is only hurting me. He's going to stay rich and famous and crazy, and I can't be there to enjoy it. So I'll leave you with this. In a a game of Monopoly, the first person to flip the board is the first winner. You're you're not playing that terrible, shitty game. You don't got to stick around and clean up the mess. And you're damn showing about to apologize. You have the power. So when election time comes, I want you to keep that in mind and flip the fuck out. Thank you. If you've seen The Big Short, then you may recall Michael Burry, the one-eyed doctor-turned-broker played by Christian Bale. At the end of the movie, we are informed that today, all of the real-life Michael Burry's investments are focused on a single area. Water. Because water is the next big short, and Dr. Cyclops will once again make billions. I say... I got two good eyes right here, and I see a better plan. Why wait for extreme water scarcity? Let's just be the change. Nay, not the change. 
the dollar bills. My horrifying plan for achieving vast wealth kinda sounds like a real plan that the lizards who walk among us will try to pull off. And that's the heart of my comedy. Is this funny or is this terrifying? And that's also what friendship with me is like, Kevin. You'll ask yourself, am I having a fun time or am I afraid? And I recognize that by addressing my desire to be your friend directly, I may have permanently destroyed all chance of it happening. But my previous strategy of playing it cool for three years wasn't working, so here we are. Audience, I turn my lonely eyes to you. Make the right choice. That's the wrong one. Oh, oh, friends. Oh, friends, it was fun. What a debate. And only... As much as I want both of these fine people to go home winners, only one of them can bring home this delightful skewer, which looks normal until you flip it around. There's a shiny bobble. <laughs> wow. This is a real trophy. This is something to be... to, to, to <laughs> compete over. Man, I've had two beers, which is a lot for me. <laughs> Cut me some slack. Anyway, the way that we're going to determine the winner of this debate is by audience applause. I'm going to ask you to applaud for each one. Uh, the person that you think won, applaud louder for. The person you think lost, still applaud. Just softer. Because, like, to see people being like, is not cool. Uh, and we're going to need an impartial judge. Man, would you like to be the impartial judge and determine who gets louder crowd noise? Perfect. Because uh, I've known Kevin for, what, like eight years? I'm definitely going to judge against him, no matter what. So I need an impartial judge. So if you believe that arguing for the best way to get rich is to just be a huge asshole and uh, commit crimes and shit, is Kevin Johnson. (laughs) Applaud now. If you believe that the winner of this debate arguing for privatizing water and also being Kevin's buddy (laughs) is Erica Dreisbach. Please applaud right now. (laughs) Impartial judge, who was the victor of this debate? It's Erica! Congratulations, Erica! Oh, oh. No, you can't. You can't. It's illegal. Oh, yay! She has won the debate. Not a friendship. How dare you? What? You bitch! talking about friends. We'll we'll see. We'll see. Congratulations to both of you for being very funny. Thank you. Oh, it was delightful. Oh, I enjoyed it. I hope you all did as well, because that was the skewer, our our delightful show. If you liked it, guess what? We are both a podcast on the dang internet, and we've been recording the whole time. I tricked you. You thought it was a live show? No, it's recorded. Um, (laughs) And also, we are here the first Wednesday of every month, except 
not next month, because you will note that the first Wednesday of next month is July 4th, which is a big old holiday. So if you want to celebrate the skewer way, we're going to have a fun uh, cookout at Erica's house. If you want to go to it, you have to go to her and tell her and be like, I'm not a weirdo. <laughs> and she'll give you her address. And, and thus we can have a delightful time and commiserate about being sad leftists. It's cool. It'll be fun. Let's do it. Yeah! Oh, oh, shit. Yeah, also register to vote if you haven't. I mean, like, I really hope you already have, but if you haven't, it's all there. Yeah! Democracy. Anyway, this has been The Skewer. I've been Tom Harrison. I hope you've enjoyed your time. See you next time. Bye! Thank you for listening to the Skewer Podcast. If you liked what you heard, you can always come to a live show every first Wednesday of the month. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter. Or you can send us an email at skewerchicago at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Goodbye.